Hi, and welcome back to another episode of the RCVS podcast. I'm Anna Feeney, a member of the communications team at the RCVS, and today we're actually at the Royal Institute of British Architects for RCVS Day, which might be why you hear a little bit of an echo right now. We're in the giant auditorium. I'm talking with Professor Derek Nottenbelt, one of the winners of this year's RCVS Inspiration Awards and visiting professor at the University of Glasgow's Veterinary School. Thanks so much for joining us, Eric, and congratulations. That's a pleasure, and it's great to be here. Thanks, Anna. Of course. So you technically retired from emeritus professorship at the University of Liverpool a few years ago, but retirement doesn't seem to mean the same thing to you as it does for most people. <laughs> no, no, it doesn't. And, uh, and I, I thought I would go gardening, but it hasn't worked out that way. Um, I, I thought my retirement would be nice and quiet, but that's boring. <laughs> you, can't, you can't have a boring life. Every single minute of your life has to be something new, something exciting. There will be ups and downs throughout your life, but actually you shouldn't view retirement or any other component of your life as anything boring. If it's boring, get out, because <laughs> that's not what life is for. Life is too short. I just wish I had a hundred more years to go. It just hasn't been that, and there won't be that. But at the same time, uh, it's been a great life so far, and uh, and it's not finished yet by any manner of means. Yeah, and within your retirement, you're working in so many different areas as well. You're doing clinical work, you run the equine medical solutions, you also provide an equine oncology support service. So what drew you to all these different kind of areas? Well, I, I think you've got to try and keep active, and, and things happen in your lives that, that, that change the way you think about how your life is going to progress. And, you know, there are always opportunities, there are always doors that open, and doors that close and you have to try to say look I'm really interested in that I'm going to make a real go of it and I think that's something which we should all have a look at you know find something that you're really interested in and become really energetic and enthusiastic about it I think if you don't do that you, you're missing out on a whole list of life that you that you could make something of that said you've got to keep a variety of things going because if you just do one thing all your life, it gets boring again. So I think if you do a little dabbling with everything, you know, you've got to be a jack of all trades, but it doesn't mean you have to be master of none. You yes. can be master of plenty and you can enjoy plenty and that's the main thing. Right, so how much of it was planned? Did you kind of become a vet with the idea that you wanted to engage in all these different areas or was it just the opportunities, as you say? Oh, I think it was all, op everything mm. was opportunity and things presented and of course, I've been, uh, I've shared time and been taught by amazing people, inspirational people. My family is inspirational, my friends are inspirational, my colleagues are inspirational, Royal College is inspirational. Everything that I've done has been inspirational to me. So every single day, I can't wait to wake up every single morning because it's going to be another exciting adventure today and uh, and and I think we all have to go through that and so I didn't set out to do that I was going to be a boring ordinary vet <laughs> that just got on with my life and waited till retirement I, I'm, I'm glad it hasn't worked out like that I'm glad I've got lots of irons in the fire and I'm trying to keep them as hot as possible because that's uh, what makes life go round. Mm. Well you had a particularly cold adventure recently though didn't you? You founded a charity called Vets with Horsepower in 2009 and you actually just came back from the Arctic Circle where you've been doing this incredible tour. Can you tell us a bit about yeah. that? Well we, we, we're a group of lunatic motorcyclists. I'm not a proper long-standing motorcyclist. I won a motorbike in a raffle and have to learn how to to ride a motorbike 
and then I thought, what'll I do with it? And then we decided we would have a few of us would ride together and try and give CPD. And then we thought, well, if we're doing this, why don't we raise money for charity while we do it? And so we do these lunatic projects where we have targeted objectives, uh, go to the ballet at the Marinsky Theatre in St. Petersburg, big bikers off to the ballet, can you imagine that? Uh, and then, of course, this year it was to go and see the Midnight Sun. And uh, we got to the Midnight Sun, we saw the Midnight Sun north of the Arctic Circle in Sweden in a place called Jokmok. Uh, and it was an amazing experience. We did have to do a little bit of an illegality to see it very clearly, but uh, I won't go into that. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> we'll keep that for the separate edited podcast. Brilliant, so I mean, in, you're originally from Zimbabwe, is that right? Yes, yeah. I, yes I was born mm. and brought up in South, in South Africa and Zimbabwe, what was then Rhodesia, of course, and, uh, and, and as a consequence, I came from a very big family. We all, everybody had big families. So I come from a very big family and we're all very close and we're all very enthusiastic for each other and you know I think you know it's good because my parents were enthusiastic people they were inspirational people themselves and so uh, it's more or less in the, I suppose it's more or less in the genes that we're all a bit lunatic and you know we can't wait for the next day to come and you know we're sorry the last one's gone and so you, I can understand the urge to go back to Zimbabwe then after you qualified in the UK. You worked there as a research officer in the state veterinary office um, before coming back to do clinical practice and academia in the UK. How do you feel your kind of training as a vet prepares you for these kind of transitions? Well, I, I trained in Edinburgh, which, mm. which was alien to me completely, of course, coming from the middle of Africa. Uh, and, a bit and wetter. A bit wet and a bit cold for me, and uh, it was. But I had a great time. My my mm. my my undergraduate years were fantastic. I, I really enjoyed it, and uh, and then of course to go back again afterwards, to back to back to Africa again was where I was going to be, and that was where I was hoping my career would be. But you know the polit political things and all the machinations that were going on at the time just made it inconvenient with my young family, and so we came out and I went back into practice. So that was a complete change for me mm. from uh, from a, a research career in wildlife medicine off to general practice in the middle of Warwickshire, uh, and uh, that was an enormous change again. But my family was rallied round and even my little kids were rallied round and we all stuck to it and we climbed the ladder slowly, slowly. And then I, I realized that I, I, I wanted more than practice and I decided then to go back into academic life. And, uh, and I think it's helped me enormously. The academic life is um, better for having been at the coalface, as it were, both in research and in clinical medicine. Uh, in general practice where we used to do everything you know we did eye surgery on cats and dogs we did PDs on cows we did colic surgeries as best we could in those days and uh, and it was all um, very basic compared to what it is now but it was a learning experience for me and it introduced the idea that you know life is full of exciting things and and you have to take every single opportunity that presents to you and and your career will be shaped by the opportunities and the doors that open in front of you and as the door opens you have to say well I don't like what's in there and I'll turn around and look for another door 
but don't sit still. That's the most important thing is never ever sit still. You know, look for another opportunity, look for another stimulation, look for another exciting adventure. We've all got to do that every single day of our lives and then life becomes worth living. And a lot of your work in academia is actually in teaching students and a lot of your nominees did mention the incredible impact that you've had on them in terms of encouraging them to look for all these different areas and, and um, continue pursuing their real passions in life. So what do you see as being the main role of a teacher? Is that one of the biggest aspects for you? Yes, I think we can teach these, these are amazing students. There's nothing wrong with their brains. That's fine. We can power pack information into them. We can teach them everything. The one thing we really need to teach them is the concept of development of their careers because the idea of over-challenging a new graduate, belittling an older graduate who perhaps hasn't kept up quite so well, all this kind of thing, you know, is, is harmful for the profession. So I, I see my main role now as being someone who young people can come to and talk about how to make a career out of something. I've had incredible downs in my life. I mean, really bad downs, but I've had enormous ups. And, and the roller coaster of life in the veterinary profession is part of its excitement. But it's the downs where people get crushed and, and they pull out of the profession, they don't want to do it anymore, and stuff like this. It's a terrible waste of human resource and human enthusiasm. It's there waiting. So we can teach them everything, but what we can't do is to teach them or I don't think perhaps not can't, but we don't teach them what the job is really about and how they can structure their careers going forward. Because I think that's the key to it. If, if people have a career that they can look forward to and make a plan and try to follow it to some degree, it'll change. Of course it'll change. My career changed lots of times. And, uh, and I, I wasn't intending to be a horse vet. I didn't, uh, it was, by osmosis, I suppose, or by default. Nobody else wanted to do the horsework in the practice, so I started to do the horsework. Then I got interested in it. Then other people wanted to join it, and then the rest is history. So um, if you get a young person who wants to make a career in this profession, we have to nurture them, and they have to be given the support. And that applies to young people, undergraduates, and recent graduates, and people in crisis times of their lives. Without that, um, without that availability of support, someone, to, you know, shoulder to lean on, you know, just someone to give you a hug, you know, on the day, it's 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 something which we all need. Believe me, we need it. And if it comes from a professional colleague, it's not like coming from your own family, which you can get hugs every every day. They kind of have not, to do that, yeah, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> but it's not quite the same. And, uh, and if you get it from a professional colleague who you like and trust and um, look up to or um, work with or whatever, you know, it helps a lot to make something of a future for, for our young people. And, and, and I think I, I look back at the people I've helped and where they are now, and I'm immensely proud of their strength of character, you know, their, their ability to say, sorry, that's not good enough, I'm going to work this. I'm going to work it out, and I'm going to come out at the other end. So what did it feel like when you heard that your support system had nominated you for the RCBS Inspiration Award and you'd won? Well, I mean, to be nominated in the first place was an incredible honour and I, that, that I get the award is just unbelievable, really. Any one of them could have got it. Any one of those people who nominated me or who stood up for me or considered me 
could have got, got this award themselves because they're equally deserving. It's just that when you get older, you know, you haven't got too many more opportunities, I suppose. And so it's nice for me to get it now because I've probably, well, who knows what next year. So. <laughs> well, fingers crossed against any of that eventuality. And congratulations again. Th thank you very much, Anna.